Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Alright, let's uh, print, get into the Word because of our time. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And to guide our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, we're continuing with our subject on sustaining our first love. Or sustaining your first love. This will be part four. And we are examining um, some of the areas that we, we should consider. Um, where our first love is concerned. We should consider, we should look at, we should examine. There are uh, spiritual markers, okay? Places you should be able to know that this is where I started from. If you, if you, if you follow the series we've been talking about, uh, Jesus writing to the church through John says, remember where you have fallen from. Praise God. And, you know, get back to that first love. So let's go to Revelation and build up from there. Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. Um, who did we say evil men were? I didn't hear you. Sorry? Your town people? Who? Deceivers. Okay. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. And have not grown weary. Uh, I, I want to bring a bit of emphasis there about growing weary. I, I, and, and one of the things I want us to consider as we press on in our Christian faith is the need to persevere. You know, sometimes even as a pastor, you need to persevere with people. Praise God. And as a member of the local church, you need to stand and persevere in the assignment that God is giving to you. There's something about perseverance in the things of the Spirit that gets you the victory. Um, some few weeks ago, I was in a period of waiting on the Lord. And one of the things that God put up in my spirit was the fact that it was your persistence that was going to win this battle. Just staying there. Just enduring in that place. So they had not grown weary. And he says, But I have these against you. So he commended them. There were a lot of positive things that you have left your first love. Now, it's important that we are... I mean, I, and I'm, I'm looking at this very, very seriously. It's important that we, we are not only comfortable with commend, commendation, but we are also comfortable with correction. 
It's very important. Are you following this now? Are you here? Okay. It's important that we are not only comfortable with commendation, not condemnation now, commendation, you're commended, but we're not comfortable with correction. Correction is not palatable, but you have to adjust your mind to receive it. You have to adjust your mind to be corrected. So the, the Lord was commending them, was acknowledging them, was applauding them. Never get to a place in your life where people closest to you cannot correct you. You will be left to your own destruction. Are you still here? Come and say in the name of Jesus. I accept corrections with the right attitude. Let's say one more time. Say in the name of Jesus. I accept corrections with the right attitude. You know you can accept correction but with the wrong attitude, right? You know, I can correct you now and you now say, but, but are you perfect? No, that's not the response to correction. How many of you know the response to correction is, are you perfect? That's not the response. You know, it's like your teacher correcting you and you now, you, maybe you're doing homework or classwork and your teacher corrects you and you now say, eh, but when you were a student, did you not fail? You, you can't do that now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the purpose of learning is not whether that person has failed before or not. The purpose of learning is when you take correction, you become better. You see, every time correction comes to you, see it as an advantage for your learning. Praise God. So, the Lord told them, He says, you've left your first love. Note the word first. We talked about that. Proton, first among equal, the Greek word there. And uh, therefore remember from where you have fallen. Okay? And repent. And do the deeds. That's what we're, we're emphasizing. The deeds. The word deeds there. In fact, the literal, the literal Greek puts it, do the first deeds. Huh? The, the New American Standard says, do the deeds you did at first. Or else, I'm coming to you. And we remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Truth of the matter is, God expects us to maintain our momentum when it comes to the things of the Spirit. Praise God. God expects us to maintain our momentum when it comes to the things of the Spirit. And the Lord says, do the deeds you did at first. Those works you did at first, get to do them. Or I'm going to come and take out your lampstand from the midst of you. This clearly tells us that God judges people based on what they're doing. God judges the works of people. So, we talked about several things we can use to check our first love. We talked about prayer. If you're putting prayer first place in your life, we talked about the word. If you're acting the word, living the word. You know, I was listening to a teaching this afternoon uh, before I came in for service. So I was listening to a teaching. And, uh, and right in my inside, I felt the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, I've done it way before. And I think I've also given you as an exercise to do in the church. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. How many of you remember when I gave that exercise? The blessing and work and the cursing 
Do you remember that? When I said go study Deuteronomy 28, read the blessing and read the cursing. And don't get that thing confused in your head. And uh, the reason that came up in my spirit to go back and meditate on it, I'm going to do it tonight, to meditate on that again, I was counseling with someone whilst I traveled. And the person was uh, trying to talk to me about the things that were happening to him and was attributing it to the Lord. The Lord was doing this to me and doing this to me and doing this to me. And I felt, no, you should be able to separate the blessing from the curse. This, everything you're talking about looks like the curse and the Lord is not responsible for that. And, and I was thinking again, how many times do we allow the enemy take advantage of things in our life and we attribute it to the hand of God? Because if you attribute things going on in your life to the hands of God, you will not know when to rebuke the enemy and ask the enemy to take his hands off your life. And so I felt prompted again, personally in my own life, to go back again and meditate on the blessing and the cursing so I can know and see the signs. So these are things, these are, this, this, these are the ways we started the faith, meditating on the word. And God is saying, go back, do it again. That first deed, the word, putting the word first place, speaking the word, allowing the word to have permanent residence in your mouth. Allowing the word to have the first place in your confession and in your what? Your declaration. Praise God. The next one is our relationship with one another. And then we talked about fellowship. We're in page 12. Fellowship. Christianity is a communal faith. We have to come together. Hebrews 10.24 says, Not abandoning our own meetings. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And even more so because you see the day drawing near. You have today believers who will abandon the meetings of God. They would rather go to other social meetings as opposed to coming to church. And that's not the habit of a believer. You should have, listen, in your life, you should have priority for the house of God. Praise God. You should have what? priority for the house of God. We've seen people who, if there is a village meeting and there is a church meeting, come on, which one will you choose? Be honest. Are you sure? <laughs> you know, people will just go there. You know what they will say? After all, we are always coming to church, but village meeting is once a month. And if I don't go, I will pay dues. You know, that's canal thinking. That's canal thinking. Let me tell you something. And I'll say this very boldly. I don't care whatever, how intense the pandemic is and all of this. There is something about gathering physically together. And don't get convenient with this. I know some of us are enjoying the live stream and we have decided that's what we're going to do. And you know the reason why. Because you know, just looking up to the live stream and not being in the gathering of believers... You know, nobody will offend you. You know that, right? Ah, nobody will offend you in your own house. You will not see. In fact, some people say, let me just live stream. I don't want to see what I don't want to see. And that's the reason God wants you to come. Because all of those interactions, let me tell you something. All of those offense that comes within the local church and you have to forgive, hmm? all of those interactions is what builds you up to become a believer. So there's something about gathering together. And the Bible says we should not abandon our meetings. 
Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 27, and on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together. 1 Corinthians 5.4, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together. There is a gathering together for the believer. We must not have a habit. It can become a habit of absent, uh, exempting ourselves from the gathering together. Don't form the habit. The scripture says, as is in the habit of some. So he was giving us an example of people not to follow. He was giving us an example of people not to follow. Praise God. You know, it's amazing how people are not comfortable coming to church because there's a, there's a, 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 there's a virus, but then they go everywhere else. They go everywhere else. Hmm? It's okay to go to school. It's okay to go to the shopping mall. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, you know. Sometimes you laugh at human beings. Human beings are very funny. In the fact that human beings can be deceiving themselves, yet they don't know they are deceiving themselves. Hmm? <laughs> you know, I just traveled and came back. Before we enter the plane, oh, social distancing, two meters apart. Two, hey, you, move back, move back. And you are there. You stand on the green line, stand on the yellow line. Because that's their work. To so be measuring distance. Then we get on the plane. And we are all sitting by ourselves. I, I, I don't understand it. Are you following this? We were on the ground. Hey, you, move back. Hey! <laughs> and then you get on the plane. The same person they said, stay two meters from. Your seat is 5A, his seat is 5B. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then we come back. Then we enter the shuttle bus. So we land somewhere and then they are taking us down. I'm not saying whether there's virus or there's no virus. That's not my business. I'm a Bible teacher. I'm just showing you how human beings reason that I don't understand. So you can help me. Huh? And then we get on the shuttle bus. The shuttle bus is even worse. Because everybody is standing and holding this thing like this. So even the seat that was separating us were now closer. Because all of us are on the shuttle bus. I say, wear your mask. Wear your mask. <laughs> and you ask yourself, so why are all this harassment everywhere? But that's human mind for you. That same person who has, who has flown with, with maybe 100 and something people on the flight have entered a tight shuttle bus, have mixed with everybody. It's Sunday morning. No! There's, there's a virus. You have to be careful. Faith and foolishness is not the same thing. You have to be wise. The person can't come to church. So you realize that the reason you are not coming to church is because you have formed the habit of not coming. It's not that there is a virus. Are you following what I'm saying? And if there is a place where you shouldn't catch a virus, it should be the church. Praise God. So you are saying it because you are a pastor. Of course. What else am I? I'm not a doctor. I'm a pastor. So I teach the word. And the word says, let's gather together. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Matthew 18.20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst. Do not forsake the assembly of other believers. 
Parents have the spiritual responsibility of training up a child in the way he should go. Don't train your children like it's okay to skip church. Proverbs 22, 6. It's not okay not to be in church. It's not okay not to be among believers. It's not okay to exempt yourself from the gathering of the believers. And if you have a friend who's formed this habit, you let them know that that's not a good habit. Because the word wants us gathered together. Praise God. Come on, I said the word wants us to do what? Gathering together. That's a recommendation for believers. Praise God. Alright. Giving. Giving. We can give without love, but we cannot love without giving. Page 14. Giving in this context is not just about money. It involves everything else. Our time, our treasures, our talents. Do you still give your time to God? Do you give your treasures, which is your money to God? Do you still give to God? Okay? Do you still give your talent? What you can do? Do you give it to God? Are you a giver? Or are you about to receiving so much from the kingdom? Are you deliberate about your financial commitment to the kingdom? Are you still generous where your local church is concerned? Are you still generous where the kingdom is concerned? Are you a giver? Can you consider yourself to be a giver? Does the kingdom of God come last in your budget? Hmm? Do you just tip God on a Sunday morning as you're offering? You know what the tip is, right? You go to the restaurant, you buy a nice meal, and then when the waiter is in, you just say, I hold this hundred naira. Is that what you do on Sunday mornings? When they say it's offering time, you just say, Ah, God, wow, you have tried this week. I didn't die. Ah. <laughs> I say, God, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I can't give you 1,000. And then just give God 100 naira. And then you've, you've heard people say, You know, people pray that prayer. Oh, God, out of everything you have given to us, we cannot give you anything. We just brought this mutton to say thank you, accept it from our hands. If I'm God, I'll say, No, my ears are blocked. I can't hear you. One question you should ask yourself is, if everybody was giving the way I was giving, are we going to have a strong local church that can advance the kingdom? Have a priority, have a budget for the kingdom. You know, as I was meditating on this, the Lord was speaking to my heart about it also. And I'm just remembering some of the radical financial sacrifices and financial gifts (laughs) that the Lord is leading our hearts way back to give and how, you know, God is just causing that to come in form of harvest. Let me tell you the truth. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now, as my friend, uh, Pastor Jerry, and we're talking about it. Say, even as a minister of the gospel, you cannot position yourself as just someone to receive. You have to be a giver. You have to learn to sow. You have to learn to minister. You have to learn to give. Is the kingdom of God in your budget? As you plan. In the initial stage of our work with God, a lot of people pray for the blessing of the Lord. When this prayer is answered, most of us move from being stewards of His resources and we become owners. This is a gradual departure from the original intention of God for His sons as regards their time, their treasures, and their talents. What do you use your time for? Instead of feeding on the word, as I was listening to um, Bert Copeland in the office, 
in just a short clip and he was talking about time and he says listen when he was 25 30 was coming when he was 30 he saw 40 coming when he was 40 he saw and then he's 84 years old now in fact if you follow me on social media i posted something about him he's 84 years old now and he started this year holding victory campaigns he's done he's done four victory campaigns and just just um, two days ago he finished a four-day victory campaign in in bogota colombia at 84, still preaching strong, still traveling the nations and holding meetings from one meeting to the other. What are you going to use your strength for? What are you going to use your strength for? You are 25, 26, 27, always tired. No time to meditate on the word. Hmm? And you want to have victory in this life. You want to have victory over sickness. You want to have victory over disease. You want to have victory over addictions. You want to have victory over other things. But you're too lazy to give time to the word. And you want to walk in favor. It it won't work that way. Get back to when you have the passion for the word. When you opened the word and you were excited and you gave quality time to the word. Sister Gloria would always say, if you put the word of God in your spirit when you don't need it, it will come out of you when you need it. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Give time to the word. Shut down some weekends and feed on the word. And feed on the word. (laughs) Praise God. I was joking about something with Sister Mary today. And I was saying something. I said, oh, the things I was confessing many years ago when we just got married, or 13 years ago, 12 years ago. I said, I'm now seeing their harvest. And it's like the harvest is stronger than what I was confessing. But I, I said it and I meant it. But I just realized that that's how we got to where we are today. If there was an issue... We confess the word concerning that issue. We didn't go com- complaining about it. We didn't go griping about it. We didn't go telling the whole world about it. We took that issue up before the Lord and we confessed that word. We spoke that word. We trusted God and God's word always comes to pass. But you know what? If we did not have time to put the word in our lips and put the word in our hearts and put the word before our eyes, we would not see those manifestations. Get back to your love for the word. Give the word time. You know, this busyness, we're busy all over the place that we don't have time for the word. When the enemy comes against us, you realize you don't have time. It'll grind you. Put the word in your mouth. Put the word in your heart. But you cannot put the word in your mouth and your heart and your eyes if you don't give the word first place. If you don't give the word time. Giving your time is important. Most times we just look about giving money. But it's not just about giving money and going about with an unrenewed mind. Before anything happens, you have confessed, Ah, we will die. <laughs> Praise God. Are you following this? No, get the word of God. Get the word of God. Come and say, I'll give the word of God time. I didn't hear you say one more time. Say, I'll give the word of God time. Say it loud and clear. Say, I will give the word of God time. Are you sure about that? Why don't you shut your phone one hour before you go to bed tonight and just meditate on the scripture? Oh God, nobody likes me. Give, give favor time. Get scriptures on favor. Meditate on it until it changes the image on your inside. 
Praise God. You know, well, because of the pandemic, I don't, I haven't flown so much, but we're over that now. I, I, I used to be afraid of heights. I, I mean, I, I think I've told some of you before. When I was growing up, and people would climb the trees, you know, to pick mango fruits, I always volunteered to stay on under to, to gather them. You know, there's always he that gathered it. You know, and a lot of people thought because I, I had a good heart, I didn't want people to steal the mango. No, it was fear. I was afraid of climbing. So I didn't, you know, sometimes children would hang on those trees. I never did all those things. You know, growing up, sometimes you see children running on the fence. You won't find me running. As my friends are running on the fence, I'll be running behind them. On the ground. I used to be afraid of heights, sincerely. <laughs> the first time I flew, I flew, I prayed in tongues all through the journey. It was six hours. Tongues from beginning to ending. I know that science says the plane cannot fall. I know what science says. But what my mind is saying is different. Until, until I heard a message by a minister and he said something. He said, people say, oh, I'm afraid of flying. He said, no, you're not afraid of flying. You're afraid of death. Right? I'm giving you an example of how to tackle issues in your life. You say, I'm afraid of... No, you're not really not... You're really not... You're afraid that when you fly, the plane will crash and then you will die. So the main source is death. So he said, if you're afraid of anything, take the scripture in the book of Hebrews where the scripture talks about Jesus partook of death and everything and delivered uh, the sons of men who were subject to the fear of death all their life and meditate on it. I took that scripture... I meditated on it and I confessed. I, I wrote it down there. I wrote it down a hundred times on a notebook. I wrote it down a hundred times and confessed it daily. Confessed it daily until my heart. I mean, today there's absolutely no fear. Absolutely. There's zero fear. I mean, zero fear. You can find area of your life. Some of, some of us are afraid. Oh, I don't want to marry a bad man. Saying I don't want to marry a bad man is not what prevents you from marrying a bad man. You go to the scriptures. And you, you know, the word of God says, um, what does it say about the good wife again? Uh, a man obtains favor for the... What's that again? What's that scripture? He that finds a wife... Find it a good thing and obtain so Can you imagine your pastor is asking you what is in the Bible? <laughs> okay. So what you should say is, Lord, let's say your name is Mary. Is there anybody here with me? Okay. Ah. For what I'm right, my name is Mary. Okay. <laughs> let's say your name is Mary, right? So you say, Father, I'm Mary. There you are, you are not married me now, right? So let's use your name before you, you got me. I Mary Ojabe, I am a good thing. I have found favor with you. Therefore, you give me as a gift to a man that would honor me as your bride. That is what you say. Then when God hears that confession and that faith, he will now give you Maxwell. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I'm saying? So even if you were born in Meduguri, you schooled in Bauchi, and you are you now served in Zamfara. God will make sure that Maxwell's posting, who was born in a village in Delta State and has never crossed northern Nigeria except in geography textbooks, will be sent to Zamfara and he will meet you there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you don't go before the Lord with 
figures and shapes and size D and size. Allow the Lord create the person. You focus on what you want. Because if you now say it's a fair man you want, it's a fair man you want. The, guy said, the good thing I have for you is not fair. He said, no, give me color. You will take color and then the fair man will now be beating you every day. You say, but I prayed. No, you prayed and you were giving God description. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You, you, that until then when they are discussing oh you know men are wicked you you just you know that your man is not a, amongst those men so you keep your mouth shut because he that keepeth his lip will save his soul from trouble so if there is any and I'm, I'm teaching your faith now if there is any discussion contrary to your expectation you shut up because as you are nodding in agreement you are lining to say that all men are bad including the one you are trusting God for are you hearing what I'm saying? They are statements you don't agree with, not because they are not the reality, but they are not the truth of what you're expecting. That's to help someone here. Alright. So, give your time, give your treasures, and give your what? Talents. The Lord has given you talents you can use to serve the body. Serve the body. That's why, as a pastor, sometimes I don't really understand it when you have to encourage people to serve God. You can sing. They would have to now appeal to you and <laughs> wow. Yeah? It's like you now have to call me. Say, oh, man of God, we are just calling you to preach on Sunday. Just try your best. <laughs> How many of you would like to have a pastor like that? Eh? I don't show up on Sunday. They say, What happened? Say, Pastor is tired. <laughs> then they now call. Say, let's go and talk to him. <laughs> and sit you down. Say, man of God, you know, this thing about preaching is something God has called you to do. And I say, yes, I'm hearing you people. I've heard what you say. I will consider it. And that's your pastor. How many of you like a church like that? You know, but that's what you do. You've got talents. But we'll cancel. We'll exalt. We'll pull you. No, you don't need that. Whatever the Lord is giving to you, consider it what? A privilege. You know, for people that sing sometimes, you think it's easy to sing. It's not easy to sing until you have heard someone sing. Someone who is not called to sing to sing. Yeah, I remember one day I was singing before the Lord. And observe my words. Pay attention to details. I was singing before the Lord. And then my daughter held her ears. So I, I thought she was enjoying my ministration. So I thought to not just sing before the Lord but increase my volume before her as she was enjoying my presentation, not knowing that she said I was gone off key. Well, the truth of the matter is that I don't have a scriptural foundation for staying on key. <laughs> the Bible says make a joyful sound to the Lord. But what I'm trying to say is that even at a tender age, singing comes to her naturally. That's a gift. There are some of you who sing naturally. It's a gift. What that happens is that the enemy uses that and sows pride in your heart and that gift becomes a burden to the church. But serve God. Serve God with your time. Serve God with your talents. Praise God. Give. The next one is soul winning. Soul winning. Make sure you study this outline. Go back and read it again and study it personally. Okay? That's why you have it. Soul winning and kingdom advancement. One of the most critical ways through which we test our first love is our desire and commitment to see souls redeemed back to their creator. Are we still passionate about evangelism? Is soul winning outdated? Do we still have time? 
to talk to someone about Christ? Are you still passionate about sharing the gospel? When you see people in sin, does something break your heart? Or you even feel, you know, I was listening to an older minister and it, and it struck a chord in my heart. He said, you know, sometimes you, you know, Christians talk as if becoming a Christian means they are missing out from life. You know, people talk like that. Ah! If, 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 if I was not born again, I know how they flex life. And by that flexing, they mean abandoning your children and your wife at home and drinking outside till 11 until they will now call your son that they saw somebody with the type of your shirt. Eh? Your wife will now come with the help of people hmm? and carry you from the drinking parlor. That is what you now call flexing of life. Or you earn a salary and before you get home, you have distributed it among daughters of the land. And your own children can't pay school fees. To you, that's... You know, we, we shouldn't make Christianity look like we're losing out something. I don't get it. Huh? You're losing out something? <laughs> A thousand times, no. Brother Copeland said, A life that is not in Jesus is not worth living. And that's the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the truth. Are you still committed to people hearing the gospel? That's how you would that's how you will come to a place where you want to give to the gospel, where you want to spread the word of God. I used to come in there to people coming to Christ. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nineteen to twenty. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nineteen to twenty. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, the word trespasses there is also seen against them, and he has committed to us. The word of reconciliation. He has committed to every born again child of God the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. We ought to beg men to come to Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That your neighbor, get them to church. That your friend that's not born again, share the gospel with them. Glory to God. Come and I said, glory to God. Share the gospel. Be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors of Christ. God, is as if God was making his appeal through us. Making his appeal through us. Let our heart burn for the gospel much more than ever before. To see many come to Christ. To see many come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus. The church, ultimately, is not just a place where we can have a good worship. The church of Jesus is a place where the truth of God's word is sent out to a dying world. When we look at our world today, look at the evil in our world today. We will know that men need the gospel. Men need the gospel. Men need the gospel. More than ever before. More than ever before. Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus. John 15, 8 says, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God wants you to bear fruits. 
Our heart desire must constantly be to see the kingdom of God expand. We must understand that giving, sowing, money is not the same thing as winning souls. We must all cultivate and create time to spread the message of the kingdom. Evangelism is not just for a department in church. It's for every born again child of God. One of the easiest ways you can spread the gospel is your social media status. You know, but you know, for some of us, when we look at our status, it's not, it's confusing. Hmm? You have maybe like 10 things on your status. One is from Buddha. Hmm? <laughs> you, know, you know, I posted something recently because you hear Christians almost teaching and saying, talking about karma. Karma is not a Christian word, it's a Buddhist word. What the Lord teaches us is sowing and reaping. And that's not karma. It's very different from karma. But some believers don't know. And they post something about karma. They post something about enemies. That they throw a scripture in there. The next thing you see a lady twerking. And then the next, so you're asking, out of all of this one, what do we identify you with? Hmm? And then there's a TikTok with... Almost it's semi pornography there. All on your status. And then the next one, join me. Sustaining your first love. Join us on sites or insights. Thank God I don't have my face on your status. Join the link. <laughs> and then people are wondering what exactly are you selling? Do you know you represent Christ? He says you're an ambassador of Christ. He says, God is appealing through you that the world be reconciled to himself. If we consider that we are ambassadors of Christ, if we consider that we are ambassadors of Christ, we will know that everything matters. And, you know, people say, oh, you don't judge me. This is not a judgment issue. This is just telling you the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are an ambassador of Christ, you know, sometimes people say, oh, your dressing does, does not matter. The truth of the matter is, if, if in your heart you have a sense of royalty, you will dress properly. That's why most times I find it very difficult talking to people about dressing. The reason I find it difficult is, you know, when you constantly tell people to work on their dressing, work on their dress, if it's not, inter- if, if it's not internal, if it doesn't come internally, you would struggle with it. Because some people don't see themselves that way. They don't see themselves that way. To them, they have to be hot. They, they can't be cold. They are not on fire for God, but they are always hot. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what you just raise is people who become very hypocritical. So when they're coming to church, they're properly dressed. And if you see them out there, even if they call you, you will do like, oh, no, 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It cannot be. But what the Lord wants is that you should not have church dress and outside dress. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's not what the Lord wants. What the Lord wants is that your life is consistent. Your words are consistent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your conversation is consistent. Because sometimes in winning people to Christ, it's our lifestyle that will bring people to Christ. It's sometimes not even the preaching. The preaching is very important, but our lifestyle is what will bring people to Christ. We are in the midst of a dying world. We have the message of life. 
Hallelujah. We're in the midst of a dying world. We have the message of life. Let's be passionate about this message that made the only son of God to die. Let's be passionate about it. That's why personally in this life, nothing appeals to me than the gospel. Preaching and teaching the gospel. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you hang around me, you will know. Nothing. Nothing consigns me in this life but this book. That men would hear to be called of God to teach the Bible. It's a privilege I will not exchange for anything. That God could say for the rest of your life, this is what I've called you to do. Oh, what an honor. And I require an encouragement? No, sir. But even in your own life, he says you are an ambassador. That God was appealing through you. I ask you one simple question. Since you became a Christian, who else had become a Christian because of you? Hmm? Ten years of Christianity. Who have you won to Christ? You know, if you take some people now to go and preach, they will not know what to preach. Have you ever thought about that young girl in your compound needs the gospel? That young man needs the gospel. As the way we forward jokes that goes very viral, have you thought of forwarding messages? Have you thought of getting more people to know the truth of God's word? There is an urgent task before us that must become our priority. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is an urgent task before us. Look at what the Lord told them in Luke 14 verse 23. When they came back and said, the, the house is full. He says, so the master said, Luke 14 23, New Living Translation, go out into the country lanes behind the edges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. God wants his house to be full. He says, go, compel them. The word compel there is the Greek word anakagzo. It means to draw by force. Luke 14, 23. draw them. Let them come. I want my house full. Jesus died for everyone. And he wants the whole world to hear the message. Compel them to come. Get into the compelling act. Get into the compelling act. Compel them to come. Share the messages with your friends. Share the word with them. Get them to church. Invite them to church. Pull them. Get them in. If we, don't, if we don't go out, we won't get them in. Our outreach team went to the workers' camp, I think, two weeks ago or something. And they went, played one of our messages, went to invite people. And, there. and a couple of, some brothers came from there. If we never went there, they wouldn't come. There are people around you that you can bring to church. But you know where the challenge is? We are even encouraging you to, we are following you up. So, you can't even think of someone else now because if, if <laughs> you know, if you, because you yourself, you are not thinking of being consistent. So, you can't even think of bringing somebody else. That's the, that's the, that's the major issue. Because when you are established, the next thought for the believer in terms of our first love is who else can get into this with me? How do you think scams spreads, you know, this um, scam investment. How do they spread? Have you seen uh, adverts of... How do a lot of people lose money? Did you see MMM adverts on CNN? Those of you that lost money in MMM. I know it's, it's remembering your past. But it's good. How many of you... <laughs> no, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you know MMM, right? You don't know again. 
Okay. Uh-huh. How did MMM spread that even some pastors were preaching it on the pulpit? Did they do advert on TV? No, it's Anakagzo. Compare, just put, just put. I have collected, just put. This is my life, just put, just put. And then you put. And that's how the message spreads. That's how the message spreads. Every scam investment spreads by evangelists who preach the message. You know what I'm saying? That's why people who work for multi level marketing, they are like that too. Anytime they see you, huh? let's say they are selling something for the eye. Say, are you seeing clearly? Say, I'm seeing. Say, no, you are not seeing. <laughs> Say, no, I'm seeing. Say, no, you are not seeing. Every human being does not see clearly when he's at the age of 25. This thing will make you see clearly. And before you know, they have loaded you PDF. This thing, this one. Then, once you buy this one, you can go to Bahamas for vacation. You can, you, and you know, human being, once you just see a picture of somebody semi-naked lying on the beach with palm tree, you don't even know how much you just buy. <laughs> and then, after you have taken it, are you seeing clearly now? You don't even know whether you are seeing clearly or you are not seeing clearly. But so that the person will leave you say, I can see clearly. Then he carries your screenshots and removes your name. I can see clearly. This client, I can see clearly. More clients. That's how it spreads. People just being diligent. And what is the essence of this diligence? Money. That's the hard work. Even though you say you are not buying. They say, no, you have to buy. You are my friend. Support me. So, yeah, you, I mean, until you just say you just even buy. And he said, oh, is the thing working? He says, no, he says, it's working. <laughs> Until you now say it's working. He says, yes, it's working. I mean, pressure is good. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't do. But what I'm saying is that they are passionate about that product. So what do they seek to do? They convince you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many of you have ever had friends who are into multi-level marketing? They train them to answer all your questions. So you say, oh, this, they go here. You say this, they say... Ah, I don't have money. Say, no, you can pay four times. Ah, that's why you are my friend now. What, what are you? We're not even talking money. Say, hold it first. We're not even talking money. Use one cup. <laughs> you know, you can't use one cup and say you're not paying later. Are you following what I'm saying? You say, oh, I won't have money till next month. Say, no, I will pay for you this month. You cannot pay me back. Oh, what are they trying to achieve? Just to get you. Saints, that's how we should be passionate about the kingdom. Look at what the Bible says, Romans 10, 13 to 15. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful at the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Glory to God. Are your feet beautiful? Are you such ones? Like we said, when you work for a, a, a multi-level company, multi-marketing level company, or you are working for, you know, these people that have estates, that have houses, hmm? that sell lands, property developers, they'll show you a picture, they'll convince you to buy. Why? They are, co- they are confident of their product. Some of them will tell you where you can use this product. If it doesn't work, we'll refund your money. What are they doing? They want to get you what has worked for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the same thing. If the gospel has worked for us, let's get more people in. Let's get more people in. What about if you make up your mind that I will not end this year without getting at least five people to church and be diligent about it? Remember your first love. Get the message out. Praise God. Get the message out. You know, you know as I was thinking about this today, I was saying, Oh Lord, help me. 
We have to give ourselves more to this task. More people need to be discipled. Even those the Lord has brought to us, a lot more work needs to be done. We will not be the generation that will fail God. We will not be the generation that will be carried away and will forget the, the main issue why God brought us here. There is a dying world out there that needs to be saved. And God is counting on us. Hallelujah. Let's bow our head and pray. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just pray today that God will stir our hearts where souls are concerned. In the name of Jesus. That God will stir our hearts where souls are concerned. That God will stir our hearts. Just pray that God will stir your hearts where souls are concerned. Let God stir our hearts where souls are concerned. Pray, pray that prayer. Let God stir our hearts where souls are concerned. In the name of Jesus, let God stir our hearts where souls are concerned. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I said in Jesus' name we pray. Alright. Okay, so very quickly. Um, today is Wednesday, I know, but is there anyone... Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.